You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. I have Fang Yu. Uh, she's a CTO and co-founder of a company called DataVisor. And the website is datavisor.com, B-A-T-A-V-I-S-O-R.com. So, Fang, how are you today? Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for having me, uh, Richard. Very yeah, honored no problem. Well, tell me about DataVisor. What's the uh, premise of the company? Yeah, so we do um, uh, fraud detections for uh, different sectors of the, um, the, the Internet. So um, we do... Uh, so you know that the internet have a lot of attacks, um, some ranging from like a social attacks like spam and phishing, some ranging from financial fraud like uh, better uh, credit card applications, uh, financial transactions right. uh, like uh, account takeovers, um, uh, money laundering, etc. So um, in DataVisor, we actually use uh, uh, like a new uh, like advanced technology of uh, unsupervised machine learning, like machine learning uh, platforms to detect all of these uh, different type of attacks. So the, Is um, this the, for individuals or for enterprise use only? Um, so it's mostly for enterprise. Um, so although we, the end result is actually we are protecting the individual end users so to protect their accounts by being uh, uh, account takeover or being spammed or being takeover, uh, like attacked. But uh, our direct like uh, clients are enterprise, and so they are usually large um, uh, social clients, um, financial institutions, uh, gaming companies, whoever actually have online accounts that their accounts actually get uh, could get attacked. Then those are our potential clients. So how has the the threat landscape evolved, especially over the last few years? What's been changing? Yeah. So. Um, Attackers actually change quite uh, aggressively, um, and they evolve a lot in the last uh, 10 years. So if you think about like 10 years ago, um, what kind of uh, fraudsters are? Those are typically like uh, pocket lifting. They actually people physically steal uh, like a wallet, and then use that wallet to actually uh, either to uh, buy some uh, luxury goods or do some gas station, etc. Those type of uh, small scale attacks are still going on. But I think more and more, uh, as more of things are actually moving to online, we are seeing a huge number of attacks that are actually come evolving from the digital field, and many of them are actually coming from online. So those are actually now more professional, uh, like fraudsters. They don't actually need to go physically to do those actions because those actually don't scale, but rather um, they actually control this, uh, uh, these accounts or take over existing people's accounts from uh, remotely, and then um, they uh, conduct the attack from there. So they uh, evolve a lot, and then the attack, uh, um, like uh, uh, 
uh, method they are using are much more advanced compared to before. For example, they can uh, use like proxies to hide their real identities, and they can even like um, register like a different brand new accounts. They can receive SMS messages to actually um, uh, verify themselves. And sometimes they, um, they 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 even like do a lot of like obfuscation to pretend to be a good user. So you like advance like a uh, like machine learning solutions as well. They 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 replay traffic, try to mimic the uh, normal user behavior, trying to be really legitimate. So their um, attack vectors actually really evolved compared to before. So how do you support regular users but not make it so difficult for them to function because of all the potential fraud and keep fraud out? Yeah, that's actually a great point. As fraud has advanced a lot, many of the existing solutions are becoming very harsh. So if you uh, we look at what are the existing solutions um, nowadays, is that um, they uh, they use like a rules and uh, engines or uh, like a supervised machine learning, etc. So how do those uh, methods work? It's based on the existing fraud um, that people observe, and then the um, the, uh, the fraud analyst quickly put into a rule or train a model to detect those type of fraud. But because they are, the fraud always like evolve, um, the, the, the rules are that because to capture new fraud, they typically need to be very harsh uh, on like uh, the new users or the new patterns, or there are some anything suspicious, then they actually alert. As a consequence, normal users um, actually the user experience got uh, deterred quite a lot. If you look at uh, like when we newly register the email, uh, it actually may not allow you to send out a lot of emails. When you newly register the account, um, the, um, the 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 um, the limit may be low, and the, the actions you could take may be quite limited. And there are multiple like SMS messages may be actually needed to actually conduct some activities. So the normal user behavior do actually got um, uh, hindered quite a bit. But um, that didn't, unfortunately, didn't stop the fraudsters as they use advanced techniques, as I mentioned before. They are able to receive SMS messages. They are able to go over the hurdle if um, their if a service is actually limiting on how much messages they can send out. Uh, they register hundreds of uh, even like thousands, sometimes millions of accounts. Each one only conduct a very small amount of uh, like uh, uh, attack. But collectively, they can still send out a lot of actually bad messages or conduct a lot of attacks. So I'm seeing that a lot of actually current message uh, to limit the uh, the fraudsters are actually not uh, adequate. It seems like knowing the location of where a device is would be a, a good deterrent because I've heard there's like warehouses of thousands or hundreds of thousands of devices that are used in like zombie farms to to yeah. conduct actions. So I mean. Is that an important factor, is knowing the physical location, you know, through GPS of where a, a phone or a laptop is that's using the access? Yeah, that's actually a very useful technique if you really know the um, the location of this um, devices. The locations can be conduct uh, like derived from different signals. For example, IP address where this IP is, um, the GPS signals, um, etc., the Wi-Fi signals, etc. But um, um, for fraudsters, um, they have ways to go over all those uh, methods. 
for if we are using IP to actually locate, they often like um, proxies, tunnels, and they set up um, the the dummy, uh, like uh, not so like uh, um, sophisticated tunnels are those actually set up from data centers. Um, so um, they actually tunnel to data centers, and it's actually it's hard to know that where their real location is. But on the other hand, data center is actually still easy to identify. You know, this is not a consumer IP range. In some uh. Well, Big cases that we see, they actually tunnel through those like um, uh, botnets, which is compromised devices like the IoT devices or machines. In those cases, then the location is really hard to identify because um, because those are consumer IP ranges, and then this and some many of those ranges have dynamic IPs. The IP even change, um, so it's hard to pinpoint. For um, GPS signals, um, it's actually a great signal um, to have. But um, many sites have uh, um, trouble getting that because not all the um, the phones um, ha uh, like uh, allow people to actually collect, and then the, of course the laptop won't have it. And then um, sophisticated attackers, we see they also um, simulate GPS um, signals, so they pretend to be somewhere where they actually not. They use simulators, etc. That's amazing. How, how could you receive an SMS to a phone that you don't own? How do they do that? Yeah, so the, um, there are different ways of actually um, receiving SMS messages. Sometimes, as you already said, they actually have a form of those uh, uh, like a SIM card, and then um, they they have they put it into device to remote control those. Those uh, each one they can receive SMS messages, but they they actually own those SIM cards, so it just they can use the same SIM card to actually attack different services. For the ones they don't own, there are different ways to um, for them to uh, uh, intercept the messages as well. Sometimes it's uh, um, like uh, malware on the phone. Sometimes they actually have like fake cell towers. That's actually extreme case. Um, they will actually use those fake cell towers to intercept the messages and send messages as well. So we 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 see those cases. Okay, interesting. So the machine learning you're doing. Um I mean, what's it look like? Has it been deployed already? And are there any interesting cases where you've caught fraud? You can talk about case studies. Sure. Um, we are um, deployed uh, over many clients now, and we're globally protecting four billion end-user accounts. So our uh, solution is actually used by many uh, large clients. So the um, there are, there are different like machine learning uh, solutions. What we um, very specialize is actually unique to DataVisor is uh, we call it unsupervised machine learning. So um, unsupervised machine learning, different from supervised machine learning, is actually it does not actually rely on the the past fraud experience. In other words, our solution do not take labels. Um, it doesn't know it doesn't need to know what the fraud looks like. Um, it sounds a little bit magic, but let me <laughs> explain to you how it uh, works. So as okay. I mentioned, um, the, the the fraudsters now they actually control many uh, different accounts remotely to actually conduct different activities. Because they are actually um, remote controlled or like um, uh, they are actually not normal users, so they have a lot of actual similarities in terms of because they are con uh, remote controlled by the scripts or um, even manually conducted. So there are correlations among these accounts. So different from traditional solutions that only looking at a single event or single user. We are looking at all the user activities and, and and this user's past activities, and we want to correlate to see whether this user and this event is actually have any suspicious correlations with other people because those correlations indicate uh, like a big um, fraud ring that we want to capture. 
So this means we have to do a lot of computation. So this is what if you could learn about the ketogenic diet and metabolic therapy from the world's top scientists, physicians, and influencers in a four-day experience co-hosted by Dr. Dominic D'Agostino, who's been on the Tim Ferriss podcast in Los Angeles, California, January 31st to February 3rd, 2019. If you want to hear about the latest scientific evidence on nutrition and metabolism and its potential to treat disease, increase longevity, improve athletic performance, and yes, help with weight loss, Metabolic Health Summit is for you. Some of the speakers include Dominic D'Agostino, PhD, Mark Sisson, Suzanne Ryan of Keto Karma, Thomas Seyfried, uh, who studies metabolism and cancer, Aubrey Marcus, Georgia Ede, MD, Matt and Mega of Keto Connect, and many, many more speakers. At this conference, we're going to dive into the research and learn how to apply it during real-world applications with four days of presentations. There'll be nightly receptions with keto-friendly drinks and appetizers. There'll be a scientific poster session that includes the latest research on ketosis, human optimization, and more. And there'll be new innovative products at the Metabolic Health Summit Keto Expo. You'll get to network with some of the world's most brilliant minds at the Metabolic Health Summit VIP Mixer and Gala Dinner. For physicians, this activity is jointly provided by Cedars-Sinai Medical Center and the Metabolic Health Initiative. Cedars-Sinai is accredited by ACCME to provide continu continuing medical education for physicians. Earn up to 21 and a half AMA PRA Category 1 credits by attending. If you're a registered dietitian, this event has received prior approval by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics for 18 CPEs. Visit MetabolicHealthSummit.com or click on the banner and get your tickets before they're gone because it's coming soon. Remember, it's in Los Angeles, California, January 31st to February 3rd, 2019. We are only weeks away. This is a must-not-miss seminar. We're actually not looking at a single user anymore, and we are looking at all the users. But in return, we are able to say um, very accurately this is actually a fraud. So um, in analogy, uh, let me make an analogy to make this is actually easy to understand. So if you look at all the people actually um, coming to apply for a bank account in a bank uh, branch, it, uh, most people actually are different, right? Some actually wear um, red clothes, some wear like a blue clothes, and then they actually come in different times. Um, like. But if all of a sudden we see a bunch of people marching in with all the black shirt and white colors, and then they all wearing a hat, and the, the way they that, that they behave very similar, they all apply for similar, they take similar actions. We know, although individually each one maybe actually uh, look very very legitimate, but the fact there's a correlation uh, going on, a suspicious correlation, we can know this group is actually something wrong with it. So uh, to extend that, even they actually apply at different branches, if globally we know there's something going on um, that's actually uh, uh, like very suspicious, then we can actually identify as, uh, that as well. So the, um, the, the computation of the unsupervised uh, machine learning is a lot because we are looking at all the users globally, and, but in return it can identify patterns you don't know uh, before what was the fraud. Tomorrow they may all change to white clothes or uh, red clothes and tomorrow they march in different way, they attack different uh, entities. But the, the, um, the, the high level, um, the, we are able to identify all kind of a suspicious correlations. Does that make sense to you? Well, what? <clears throat> Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. But 
what happens if uh, you know the attackers are not in the country or in the jurisdiction in which the fraud happens? I mean, what can you do to them besides try to block them? You know, can you pursue them, or you know, does your involvement end there, just detection? So um, for data providers, the first step we are more, uh, more actually um, uh, involved in just detecting them because sometimes it's very hard to pinpoint that exactly who the fraudster is, especially they use like proxies etc to hide us, uh, hide their like a really a real identity. But uh, we hope that we can detect things early. So if we uh, detect things after the fact, for example, uh, when the, uh, the, 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 the bad messages are sent, the, the credit card already, the transaction already goes through, then there's not much value. So what we uh, uh, actually um, try to emphasize is we want to detect things early. When the account is registered, we want to actually detect it right away at the registration time to prevent this account to have actually further damage down the road to um, any bad actions. So by detecting them early, then we can stop the um, the damages for our client. And how sophisticated are you know hackers and fraudsters today? I mean, like you said, sometimes you'll see a whole group of them doing something, but if it's a one-off attack, um, how sophisticated have you seen it? Have you seen it where it's so sophisticated that it's pretty much undetectable unless it happens repeatedly or from a large group? <laughs> yeah. So, of course, the larger the group, um, the, the easier and the more obvious it becomes. And we do see actually fraudsters become very sophisticated and very stealthy. For example, they can actually register accounts like uh, and then just um, hibernate and they don't do anything. So they age their account to actually let it be um, and, uh, like uh, look normal. The amount of age we see is sometimes uh, uh, like a few days, sometimes uh, like a, a few weeks or months. And in the extreme case, we see the age of like three years. So they actually do become very, very patient um, in actually um, to um, have their real, uh, like uh, uh, to hide their real identities and to make their fake identities look real. And they also do um, those one-off attacks, as you mentioned, um, to actually get very, very sophisticated. For those one-off attacks, we have supervised machine learning and also rule engine those traditional methods to actually detect them. But typically, those fraudsters, when they actually do one-off uh, after they got succeeded, or they they will actually want to repeat the process to actually conduct more. So um, the the real value is actually when you detect things, you detect at very early on before they actually want to bust off to, uh, like a large attack. We want to know oh what is actually the uh, the, the patterns and, and uh, detect them very early on when they actually started doing things. So it seems like it'd be a lot better to detect you know fraud early on, but right. the earlier on you try to detect it, the less data you have on the fraud, the less people involved because they probably test the waters. Yeah. Before they do anything, so it's usually <laughs> a difficult trade trade off. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So we see a lot of actually testing going on, and then um, sometimes the testing is actually pretty small with one or uh, a few accounts. They typically actually want to test their script whether it works, so it's not a single one. Um, um, but um, at the testing phase, we already know this. Um, even if it's only a few. so the. The uh, the ring that I I mentioned before it doesn't have actually um, ha when they actually go to thousands or the, like uh, even uh, tens of 
thousand we captured. Um, the ring uh, that we capturing and in terms of repeatability actually varies sector from sector. So in the financial sector, um, the rings actually are very small because many of the attacks are actually um, can be manually conducted. So it varies from two to um, uh, like hundreds of uh, accounts. Sometimes it goes to thousands as well, but it's uh, less. So the norm is around like uh, five um, uh, five accounts when the rings especially uh, forming. And in the social uh, sector, the rings are actually much bigger because each account will not actually um, put them much gain at all <laughs> doing one account and, uh, bad actions. So in that sense, the ring that we see is on the, um, the hundreds uh, or, um, or the, even the high, over. And then when they start with testing, it's about like a 5 to 10 as well. Um. All right. In terms of the uh, the machine learning, you know, if, if if this is working and it's helping to stop fraud, you know, do you anticipate that there'll still be these huge breaches where, you know, 50 million credit cards will be stolen or things like that will happen? Or is it just that the companies that that's happening to don't have the uh, technology and the machine learning to fight against it? Yeah. So, um, so that the breaches part, I think it's um, unfortunately it's actually continuing to uh, happening, and then uh, the the breach part and the anti fraud are related because those are breaches later are actually um, cause fraud issues. Um, but the 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 breaches, I think that we need to actually um, solution and things on both ends. The first actually to stop the breachings and stop those information be actually leaked. And the second part is actually the, the detection part. If there are actually breaches uh, of data, how do we actually detect those attacks actually result from those breaches? Because um, sometimes for, um, uh, especially for enterprise, it's um, it's both ends. You, you want to protect your database. Sometimes it's hard to uh, prevent even like uh, uh, others, for example, a credit database um, uh, being put, uh, like uh, uh, breached. Then um, someone else database got breached, maybe actually used to attack um, these services as well. So as a whole industry, I think we need to um, uh, have both sides protected. Everybody should protect their own database. Meanwhile, everybody should actually look at the incoming traffic uh, to their own services and identify fraud resulting uh, from those breaches. Yeah, but is this possible without machine learning? Is it possible to do it manually with personnel that are monitoring the network, or has it gotten so sophisticated that it's impossible without it? I think both solutions are, are needed. I think the personnel actually, uh, like restrictions, the access control, the, um, the, the firewalls, definitely a must, uh, I think, uh, to actually stop all those uh, uh, breaches. And then uh, advanced machine learning uh, solutions are also needed um, uh, to stop. I think it's 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 adding whatever we have um, to actually. It's like uh, putting a uh, prevent fires, right? You have different solutions, but in, uh, and then all we should try all the means we have to um, uh, stop the uh, the breaches and prevent the breaches from actually happening. Um, so what's What's next over the next six months or a year? What are you working on that's new that's coming out that you can talk about? Yeah, so um, for for us, um, um, we are actually building um, different uh, products. So we are doing like um, uh, like um, unsupervised machine learning to actually identify the fraud. So we are also um, uh, uh, more integrating with the supervised machine learning, and we are also generating automated rules um, for clients to actually import into the rule system. So we are uh, broadening up our uh, like a, a platform to actually get more of the the um, the uh, 
the whole solutions for the client. In the meanwhile, we are also developing the supervised like uh, enterprise version, which will allow um, the client to uh, to actually tune the models themselves to adjust um, the things themselves. So to give the clients more handles on how to actually leverage and supervise machine learning to um, detect fraud. So um, so that's actually going to coming out in the next year. Have you seen any evidence of? Um fraudsters or hackers using their own machine learning to counteract what you're doing? Uh, we see uh, fraudsters actually um, uh, uh, like having a lot of advanced test solutions as well, um, as uh, as you mentioned. Uh, so uh, they keep innovating, uh, use the latest technology as well to uh, replay traffic to hide their real identity. Um, but um, um, I think Currently, what we, uh, we as a company, we are innovating um, as well. We uh, we have a bigger uh, like a, a footprint and then also network event that we are having the global intelligence network and we are uh, uh, using the latest technology. So we keep evolving. I think the the part uh, nice about um, supervised machine learning that we have is not uh, too much of the cat and mouse game because existing solutions like uh, rules and the supervised machine learning it's very reactive to what the the, the attacker is currently doing and then uh, so that's always a cat and mouse game so for unsupervised uh, machine learning that we, uh, that we are building because it doesn't have uh, existing like uh, assumption on the, what the fraud look like that itself is actually more uh, robust um, in terms of the detection so even the attack of evolve uh, every, which they do uh, evolve every day and every even every hour. Um, our solution so far it looks very good actually capturing with the new attacks. Okay, very good. And what's the uh, the best way for people to get in touch or to ask more questions? Yeah, so they can always go to datavisor.com, D-A-T-A-V-I-S-O-R.com. Um, they can actually request a, a demo there and they request uh, a, like a, a POCs from there and test from there as well. And they can also email us at info.datavisor.com to, uh, for more information. Yeah, actually, one question I forgot to ask you is, um, do you have a division that kind of, I guess, scours the, the dark web or forums and finds out what the latest and greatest you know, hacking techniques are? Is that a, a source of gathering <laughs> so, intelligence for you, or do you rely more on the machine learning to just, you know, not be influenced by what you see and just see what it sees? So we, we don't have, uh, we have uh, like a research department, which we actually look at all the uh, threats. So um, that's actually looking at all the attack we identified, all the sophisticated ones, all the, the clients um, reported to us. So it's not too much into like looking at the, um, the, the dark web per se, but we do do investigations. And moreover, that uh, we we also do um, investigation on the um, like uh, statistical because we have many clients and globally we are protecting four billion user accounts. So we are uh, we have a threat report every quarter published um, actually to analyze what's actually latest trend of the fraud look like, what's actually uh, the most dominating like uh, the the the. Uh, like attack techniques that actually attacking different sectors. What are the common methods and what are the different methods? So that actually we actually publish and I hope we can that one can actually help the whole community to gather more information of the latest attack trend and uh, let's fight the fraud together. Okay, very good. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming on the podcast and thank you. Thank you so much. It was very nice uh, uh, talking to you and thanks for the opportunity. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. 
Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Thank you.